This has become a battery. Is there something that you're awesome at that nobody knows about? Like you have a hidden talent. You know, maybe you should stay hidden, right? Like if you love to, you know, I don't know, interpretive dance, that's fine. You, you know, that, that, could, that could stay hidden. Not gonna be that kind. Of, I've been in those churches though, you know, with flags and dancers. I love those people, but so I'm just, you know, that might be your hidden talent. There's a man at our church named Kevin Brown. Some of you might know him, some of you might not. Wonderful guy, successful business person. He's known for his very large family and for his insatiable sociability. The man is known to throw parties in his backyard with hundreds of people. He has a secret talent, something you might not know about. He's a deadly plumber. He came to my house and plumbed my sink when we were prepping our house to sell and move here to Guelph to pastor you effectively. He came in in his dress pants and his dress shirt after a shift at work, crawled under my sink, and plumbed that sink like it was going out of style. One of Kevin Brown's hidden talents, something he's awesome at that you might not know about. There are two young men in this church named Matt McKay and Alec McLennan. They build. You might know that they build, but what you might not know is that they are geniuses at crown molding. They came to my house and they crown molded my basement like it was going out of style. They, were, they crown molded my basement like they were about to meet Jesus. <laughs> they want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful carpenter. I mean, these guys, they can, I mean, I literally, no joke, no hyperbole, I know I'm given to such. I stood there after they finished and I was just in awe. I could never do it. I could never, ever even, they're just awesome. It's a hidden talent. There's a young woman in this church named Katie. She spent uh, much of her life as a professional cook. You might know her for her wild and crazy kids and her extremely good-looking husband. (laughs) If you don't know who I'm talking about, they sit in my section in the back. And she has a secret talent. She made the best fried chicken I have ever tasted in my life. If the woman decided to focus on that, she would put all other fried chicken purveyors out of business. Got a secret talent. Back in that same section where the hooligans sit, there's a young man in this church. His name's Jared. You'll know him because he's very stylish. He's not here this morning, so I can talk about him. Always looks very stylish and kind of grumpy. <laughs> what you may not know about Jared is that he's au contraire, mon frère. He's not actually grumpy. He's actually one of the friendliest people around. All you have to do to see the friendliness come out is take him to a pub. Put him in the pub and watch him work that room. His favorite is called Are You Serious? It's not really a pub. It's more like a dive bar. Maybe some of you have been there. If not, you should go. The food's pretty good, and the servers are awesome because Jared has loved them well. One of his secret talents is being friendly. I can learn from him. Something he's awesome at that maybe y'all don't know about. There's a lady in our church named Sharon. She's actually here in this service. They, they, they keep me off balance. Sometimes they come to first service. Sometimes they come to second service. They sit right here. Her sweet husband's name is Dave. Her hidden talent is being awesome at details. You go to their house, and if you have any eye for detail, you'll stand in awe as you just look from place to place in this house. And not one area that I've seen, and I've seen the whole place. It's not very big. And in fact, they let us stay there over the summer. They were away. We were still living in Burlington. I said, come stay at our house. So we did. So I could explore it a little bit. And I'm here to tell you that the woman has an incredible eye for detail. You may not know this about her. She's known for her friendliness, for her vivacity. I've heard that she makes a mean apple pie. 
but attention to detail is something that she's secretly awesome at. How about me? I'm amazing underwater. No joke. So whenever my friends and I are at a cottage or on the water and any work needs to be done underwater, I'm the one they call. And like, there's no debate about this anymore. Like one time, a bunch of us were rafted up. Uh, you know those big like floaty monstrosity iceberg things? Well, there was one around the bend and the cottagers let us use it whenever we wanted to. And we have like a thousand kids between us. So we rafted up three boats and dropped the anchors and the kids just dove in and we were, well, we dove in too and we were diving off the thing, having a whale of a time. When it came time to leave, we found that the anchor had snagged on the anchor chains that hold the iceberg in place. So two of my friends tried, and I just sat there. I was waiting because I knew my time would come. <laughs> and they couldn't get there. It was too deep. They couldn't, they couldn't get down to unsnag it. I said, okay, fellas, I got this. So I took a few deep breaths, and I dove in, and I swam down. I had to actually pause to equalize my ears. And it swam down so deep, maybe if you, like me, have a talent for being underwater. You know when it gets like so dark and you can hardly see the surface anymore? I was able to unsnag the anchor, and they hoisted it back up, and I worked my way back to the surface, making sure not to overtake my bubbles and let my ears slowly EQ as I gained altitude. I broke the surface, and I felt pretty awesome, because I'm good underwater. What you're saying to me, Todd, is that you're full of hot air. Yes, touche. <laughs> See, we live in a, a strange and a, a twisted culture where we want everyone to know about our awesomeness. Right? How many likes did you get? You ever feel that way or feel like, man, nobody liked that picture? Nobody retweeted that post. Those of you who are not involved in social media, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you are free from much of the oppression that can come into one's life as a result of interacting on this scale. But it's also nice to know that, you know, my brother made some awesome pancakes for breakfast on Christmas morning. I want everyone to know about our awesomeness. This speaks to a need we all have to be known. I want somebody to know me. I, I want to be noticed. Ultimately, this speaks to an urge we have for our life to have counted, to have mattered. In today's sermon, you're going to be reminded that the only one you really need to be known by is God. See, as long as God knows you, it's 100% possible for you to be awesomely anonymous. And Simeon is proof. Here's Luke 2, 25-32. And behold, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. There was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Ooh, and the glory of your people Israel. My dad is jealous that I get to preach this today. He texted me on my way into work. He's like, Simeon, period. That was all he needed to say. He stalks me online. He can see what I'm working on. He's a Bible scholar and a great preacher, so he knows what's about to happen here this morning. And behold, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was 
Simeon. This is why I love the Bible. Never heard of this cat before. And all of a sudden he shows up. Never heard of him after. Okay, nobody knows this man. Then all of a sudden, boom, here he is. Totally unknown to making the Bible. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful lesson here for us. Keep being faithful. Your moment will come. Right? Can someone say amen to that? You resonate with that? Keep being faithful. Your moment will come. Like Simeon, nobody will have ever heard of you until all of a sudden, boom, it's your time to enter center stage. Stay faithful. Your moment will come. And here's what faithfulness looks like. This man, verse 25, was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is really fun. We get to the meat of the sermon right away. Usually it takes me another seven minutes to get there. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. In these four keys, we see what it looks like to be awesomely anonymous. First, awesomely anonymous looks just. And this man was just and devout. This man was just. Just in the Hebrew language is another word for righteous. When it's used as justice, it's righteousness particularly oriented towards the welfare of another. To be righteous means to do the right thing in any given situation. It's a wonderful challenge for us to grapple with throughout the entirety of our lives. As we go from glory to glory, getting better and better at doing the right thing in any given situation. I've not yet met anyone who's all the way there. But I have met some who are further along the road than I, and so I seek to emulate them every chance I get. Simeon was just. He was righteous. And his righteousness had an eye to others. You want to be awesomely anonymous, be just. Do the right thing, particularly oriented towards others. Secondly, this man was just and devout. Devout in the original language meant pious. This man was just and devout. He was pious. To be pious means to live a life that is oriented towards God. Okay? That's what it means to be pious. To be devout means to live a life that is oriented towards God. Kind of like you're leaning over a cliff with a tether tied to your back, and that tether is the divine life. So Josh, I was hoping you'd be here this morning. Come on up here, Josh Bites. I needed someone strong. And he was the first one who came to mind, because I've seen his pipes. So just come on up here. Josh is going to be God, and I'm going to be Todd. So would you please grab the back of my belt? And we're going to pray to Jesus right here. We have not rehearsed this. Ready? It's one of those trust games. So let me go a little bit forward. Ready? Go. Let me go a bit more. If my belt breaks, it'll be an awesome sermon illustration. (laughs) Okay? This is what it means to be pious. Okay? Tether yourself to the divine life. That'll preach. Right? Tether yourself to the divine life. Tether breaks. Let go. Let go. That's how we dominate the sleep. Thanks, buddy. Ooh, I could shout, but I've been restricted. 
I have, they, they installed like a governor in my system. <clears throat> but that'll preach though, right? Tether yourself to the divine life. Celebrate. And you should always feel the tension. Didn't you feel the constant tension, Josh? I felt the constant tension. Like, it was funny. My body started to drift and he would have to pull a little harder. Somebody shout. He who keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Right? He was working the whole time. He was working the whole time. Man, I've been here the whole time, says the Lord. Feel it. Ooh, that help? That helps? I'm here to help, huh? Piety. You thought it was like being old and stuffy and legalistic. No. Tether yourself. Ooh, tether yourself to the divine life. You should always feel the tension. You want to be awesomely anonymous, tether yourself to the divine life. Hallelujah. This man was just and devout. Waiting. I mean, this sermon gets better and better. He was waiting. I mean, hallelujah. The Bible understands the human condition. What is the human condition? Waiting. <laughs> Amen? It's waiting. That's, what does it mean to be, if aliens show up on the earth today and say to us, what does it mean to be human? Waiting. That's what it means to be human. So, so what are you up to these days? I'm waiting, right? When you're a kid, what are you waiting for? To turn 12, right? When you're a teenager, what are you waiting for? I mean, I can't say the things I was waiting for, but I'm just saying, you know, you're a teenager, you're waiting to become an adult. Why? Because then you can get married. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. I was excited about that. That was like one of the deep fears of my life as a teenager. I'm like, Jesus, you cannot come back until I get married. Because that ain't right. I will not celebrate that. Come quickly, Lord, eventually. All right? Once you're an adult, what are you waiting for? Well, you're waiting for your big break. You're waiting to make it. Waiting to pay off your mortgage. I don't know. You're waiting to get famous. You're waiting to make a difference. You're waiting for that next deal to come through. There's a lot of waiting when you're an adult. And then when you're old, what are you waiting for? Oh, you're waiting to die. You're eventually going to be so old that you're like, it could happen today. Now, hopefully, you'll have heard some good preaching by that point. So you'll have learned that we're supposed to live that way all the time. Right? Like, it could happen today. Okay, but when you're old, you're waiting to go see Jesus. You're kind of excited about it. Now look, here's the key. The key is to wait well. Okay, the key is to wait well. You want to be awesomely anonymous, accept that waiting is part of life, and learn to wait well. Now don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I am going to tell you how to wait well. I am going to suggest to you what I think the key is to waiting well. The key to waiting well is to wait for the right thing. What was Simeon waiting for? This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for a very big thing. Okay, he's, not, he's, not, he's not waiting for the light to turn from red to green. He is waiting for nothing less than for God to set all things right. Okay, don't miss this. He's waiting for something very big. This man was just, isn't the Bible sneaky? Like, you could just read it. Like, this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Big deal. 
until you meditate on the fact that the consolation of Israel was him waiting for nothing less than God setting all things right. We're oppressed. We're waiting for you to set us free. We're dying. We're waiting for you to bring us to life. This man was waiting for something very, very big. Let me just point out to you that it is much easier to wait in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles when what you're really waiting for is the second coming. It's much easier to wait your turn at the bank when what you're really waiting for is the inauguration of God's kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. Somebody say amen. I mean, what I'm suggesting here is that we get some perspective. This will help you with all the waiting you have to do if you just imprint in your mind that what you're really waiting for is the new Jerusalem. That's my new tagline. Like, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the new Jerusalem. <laughs> mm. See, that'll preach all day long. Like, you have a bad moment, you just, I'm waiting for the new Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit will fill you. You'll be like, all right, I could do this. Huh? See, that's how the gospel works, right? It doesn't eliminate trouble from your life. It gives you a vision to see you through it. Huh? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Wait for something very big. You want to be uh, awesomely anonymous, wait for the right thing. Get some perspective. Also, um, embrace the supernaturality of walking with God and stop worrying about death so much. Look at verses 25b through 27a. Second half of verse 25. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Ooh, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. Just so you're aware, for the Holy Spirit to be upon somebody in this age of the world pre-Pentecost was strange. You're Christians, you think it's normal for the Holy Spirit to anoint someone for ministry. Right? You see Pastor Todd crying. You're like, that's okay, he's full of the Holy Spirit. It's Sunday, he gets crazy on Sunday. Right, you see somebody equipped to serve the poor, you're like, it's all right, he's full of the Holy Spirit. She's full of the power of Christ. Okay, we're used to this post-Pentecost, but pre-Pentecost, and I'm talking Acts chapter 2, after Jesus ascends to heaven, his disciples are told to wait for the promise from on high. They wait in an upper room, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit rushes in. They're filled with the Spirit. They speak in other tongues. Tongues of fire hover over their heads. They spill out of the room. Peter preaches the first sermon in the new church. 3,000 men come to faith that day together with their wives and families. The church is born as a megachurch. That's Pentecost. And from that day to this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord for salvation is filled with his Holy Spirit. So you're kind of like Simeon. But in Simeon's day, this would have been really weird for the Holy Spirit to be upon him. He's kind of like a special prophet type of person. So if you want to be awesomely anonymous, you need to live the kind of life that looks like it has the hand of God on it. That's tall order, right? Because if you're anything like me, there's a percentage of your week where it doesn't look like the hand of God is upon you. So change that starting today. Be the kind of person who looks like they have the hand of God on their life. So how do I do that? 
three easy points. As usual, it's not a three-point sermon. These are not the three points of the sermon. We're like on point 17. But three points to help you live like you got the hand of God on your life. One, know God. How do I know God? Well, in my limited experience, the way I get to know God is through reading my Bible. I've been that way since I was 15. I really started reading my Bible when I was 15. See this? Can you see this Bible? See how gnarly this Bible is? This is the passage on Simeon. I preach this passage a lot of times. Okay, I know my Bible. I've had to retape it like four times. So you got to read your Bible. That's how you get to know the Lord. You think it's like some legalistic chore. The only people who think reading the Bible is a legalistic chore are people who don't read the Bible. Because as soon as you begin to read the Bible, it'll speak to you. It'll come to life in your heart, and it'll begin to change everything for you. So, I mean, what do you got to lose? Give it a shot. Get to know the Lord. Read your Bible. Come to church and worship the Lord. This is what I talked about post-worship set. Begin to sing. Like, I don't like singing. It's because you don't sing. When you begin to sing, you will suddenly like singing. Because you'll realize this is why God gave you lungs and vocal cords and lips and a tongue in the first place. It's the truth. In worship, we're reminded of what's what, that God is alive, that he loves us, that he has loved us with an everlasting love, that this story is eternal and we have a place in it. This is what happens when you sing, all creatures of our God and King. Lift up your voice and with us sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I pity the fool who never sung those words yet. Hey, don't miss out, man. You're missing out. Get to know your Bible. Worship Jesus. Listen to good preaching about Jesus from the Bible. I don't care if it's me. Any church where there's a faithful preacher who preaches about Jesus from the Bible, go there and stay there and listen to that preacher week in and week out. Just keep doing it. And then join that community on its mission to seek and save the lost. Any church that worships Jesus, where the Bible is preached about Jesus, will end up full of people who are joining Jesus on his mission in culture to seek and save the lost. Hang out with these people. That's just point number one. (laughs) Get to know God. Two, talk to God. This is what the ancients, the sages, referred to as recurrent prayer. As Christians, we tend to think of prayer as like something we do at church or something we do in a meeting. The ancients thought of prayer as something that we do recurrently, all the time. The first thought on my lips is oriented towards the Lord when I wake up each morning. No joke. Yes, Lord. What are you going to do today? I love you, Jesus. Where are you at? What's happening, Lord? Speak to me. I do this all day long. I talk to God all day long. All day long. In my car, when I'm nonstop. Recurrent prayer. Not fancy. I'm about to make a decision. I say, Lord, oh, here's point number three. So talk to God, pray. Point number three, ask him about everything and then act on it. You're like, Lord, is this cool? And you'll immediately get a sense, yes or no. If the sense is no, don't do it. If the sense is yes, do it. You're like, Todd, are you telling me to trust my gut? Yes, I am. Why? Because you're full of the Holy Spirit. Got the Holy Spirit in your gut. (laughs) That'll preach good, right? That'll preach good. Trust your gut, because the Holy Ghost is in your gut. <laughs> Word up. I'll remember that one. Remember that just happened, too. I didn't even plan that. <laughs> Ask him about everything, and then act on it. Is this cool, Lord? If he says no, don't do it. 
If he says yes, then go ahead and do it. Ask and act, 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 ask and act. Know God, talk to God. Ask God about everything and act on it. Or in other words, be kind of weird. <laughs> and it had been revealed to him, verse 26, by the Holy Spirit. You're like, wait a second. You're saying God's talking to Simeon? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of am. That's kind of weird. I know. God talks to his people. Anytime you meet somebody who's a little uneasy with this sort of thing, you're like, the classic question is, how do I know it's not the pizza? <laughs> right? You had pizza last night or Mexican. You got the Holy Ghost in your gut. The Holy Ghost is greater than the pizza. So, so but Todd, how do I know I'm not in error? Well, because we already did the part where you got to know God. Right? Through studying your Bible, learning to worship listening to good preaching about Jesus from Scripture, joining his people on his mission to seek and save the lost, where he talked about talking to God constantly, recurrent prayer, where he talked about asking him about everything and acting upon what he says. If you're doing those things, you don't need to worry about the pizza talking to you. Right? Amen? Do you see it? The only people who need to worry about going astray are people who are already astray. You want to be awesomely anonymous, expect God to speak to you. Um, don't worry about dying, Simeon. You're going to see my Messiah first. Ooh. And it had been revealed to him that he would not see death, verse 26, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Ooh, this is powerful. He would not see death. He would not be acquainted with death in the Greek until he was acquainted with the Lord's Christ. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> you won't be acquainted with death till you're acquainted with death's conqueror, Jesus the Christ. This promise to Simeon is a promise to you. You might taste death, sure. You're not going to get to know it, though. <laughs> right? You die, you awaken in the Lord's presence. You're not going to spend any time getting acquainted with death because you have become acquainted with the killer of death, Jesus Christ, the risen one. Hallelujah. I did my work today. I could, I could stop right there. You got to take that one home and let it change your life. Ooh, you're not going to get to know death because you've gotten to know death's killer, whose name is Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. Jesus, the Christ, God the Son made flesh, who entered into space-time history, fully God and fully man, lived among us, tempted in every way in which we'll ever be tempted, yet without sin, perfectly fulfilling God's holy law, suffering in ways in which you'll never suffer. His penultimate moment, hanging on a cross between two thieves, the penalty for our sin, the sin of the world, being laid upon him. And he suffered and died in your place for your sin. God the Father chastised him, that you might have peace. And this God-man died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose the third day, conquering the power of Satan, sin, death, and hell forever. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. I pity the fool who never sung that hymn. 
He ascended to the right hand of the Father where he sits even now, making intercession for you. He's your cheering section. Constantly shouting in your ear to stop being afraid of death because he already beat it. (laughs) Man, you want to be awesomely anonymous? Get some Jesus in your life. He'll kill the fear of death in your heart and he will connect you to the divine life. Like, how do I get him to, how do I get that tether? How do I get that Josh Bites illustration working for me? Come to Jesus. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Say to him, Lord, I need to follow you. I'm convinced. So come into my heart even now and save me. Make me yours. Begin to do for me what this preacher's talking about. Right? If you just prayed that prayer with me even now, you're saved. Welcome to the family. Woo! Receive it. You know, hallelujah. Let the Lord use you. Welcome to the family. You got a tether tied to you now. You're going to be all right. You live an awesomely anonymous life. You're going to be ready for the moment when God invites you on stage for something amazing to happen. Almost done. The amazing thing happens in verses 27 through 32. What happens? The parents come in. And they brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Ooh, and Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation with you have prepared Ooh, in the face of all peoples. I like to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Worshiping you better get ready because this finishes pretty quick. Here in verses 27 through 32, we see some of the payoffs of an awesomely anonymous life. Some of the payoffs of an awesomely anonymous life. Verse 27, so he came by the Spirit. This just and devout man had learned obedience.